The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, whatever you're reading from. Uh, we usually have uh, uh, our offering message uh, separate from the teaching, but, you know, today the entire sermon is the offering message because of the, the series we're doing. And so I just thought, hey, why, why duplicate? Let's just do this, uh, uh, you know, kill two birds with one stone. That's what we're going to be doing. So lift it up, whatever you're reading from, nice and high. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word, and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. That's right. Faith comes by that. Amen. Man, I'm excited. So, Friday. Uh, is a Friday morning, oh, Saturday, actually, Saturday. So at midnight, I can wake up and hear the album. Praise God. Saturday, mid- Friday, midnight. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm going to set an alarm. Amen. I'll be listening to that album. Praise God. Uh, before I get into today's teaching, I've been asked to talk about this book a little bit. It's the newest, right, in our bookstore. So the bookstore guys wanted everybody to know about it. This book is called God Wants You Rich. How many of you know that God wants you rich? Amen. He says it's called God Wants You Rich, uh, the scandalous truth. It's a scandalous truth. And uh, it says here, uh, uh, this is by Ashley Terades, right? Man, I blanked out for for a bit. This is my Ashley. It's a good book. Uh, So a few people endorsed this book. Andrew Womack says this. He says, God wants you rich. That is absolutely true. Ashley will help you break down many religious traditions that have kept you from this truth. And Ben Daly, uh, he says this. He said, "Uh, let me warn you. If you don't want to prosper God's way, do not read this book. And Joseph Z says this. He says, uh, the, the title alone is destined to make the religious squirm. God wants you rich. How preposterous sounding to a carnal, to a carnal mind. And uh, Pastor Lawson uh, Perdue says this. He says, Ashley Terades brings home the gospel truth that God wants you to prosper in this book. And then uh, my uh, Pastor Tafara Butai. <laughs> He says this, this book is a masterpiece. It will set you free from the limiting beliefs while fashioning a mindset required to be prosperous. Yours truly. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So please be sure to pick it up. It's called God Wants You Rich. It's a beautiful book. I've read it myself before I put the endorsement. So it is uh, truly uh, an awesome endorsement. If you're watching online, you can also buy this uh, this book at terradesministries.com forward slash Africa. 
and you'll be able to pick it up. Amen. Well, with that out of the way, uh, we, we've been talking about uh, this thing that God wants us to prosper. Amen. How many of you know that God in your Noah? How many of you know that God wants you to prosper uh, also in the materials realm, also in the financial realm? Uh, we've discovered, you know, just going through this series that uh, it is indeed God's will, perfect will, if you will, for all of us uh, to prosper. God wants us to prosper. It says in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, from verse 26 to 28, God spoke. I'm reading in the Message Bible. He says, let us make men, human beings, in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they, human beings, can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them, how? Male and female. God blessed them. What did he say? Prosper. Did you see that? The very first thing we see God spell out uh, to mankind, the very first thing we see God say uh, to Adam, uh, which is really, you know, the first um, man to, you know, be created. How many of you know that Adam was the first man to be created and he was created as a man? He was no homo sapien sapien. He was Adam and Eve. Can I get an amen? Man, that blesses me so much. We say that we didn't evolve from monkeys. It's awesome. God said prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. And straight after that, he says be responsible. Aren't your neighbor and say be responsible. <clears throat> push the person in front of you and say be responsible. Push them. Push the, push the person in front of you. Say be responsible. Now turn around and say, you can be responsible by not messing up my... Uh... <laughs> now, when God says, be responsible, uh, uh, it is because prosperity comes with responsibility. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Uh, with power comes the, the, the responsibility to control all of that power. This is why they put the little pedal in your car. Uh, in the middle, called uh, brakes. Man, it would help if you use that because that's going to help you control the power in the hood. And so with prosperity, we need to learn how to be responsible. Now watch what he says. He says, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now all of us are metropolitan, cosmopolitan, you know, uh, 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 citizens of a city like Job. We never would be responsible for fish in the sea. We'll never be responsible for birds in the air, for everything that creeps on the earth, unless you have a pet. And so what is he talking about? It does not disqualify the fact that he still wants you and I to be responsible. Because this kind of prosperity demands people who are responsible. Can I get an amen? And so we see here that it is God's will for you and I to prosper, even in the financial realm. And so last week, we gave an example. Uh, you know, people say, uh, so why do you teach about money in the church? And uh, we did this three weeks ago, and I'll do it again. Why should you teach about money in the church? Uh, here's the reason why. Anybody in here not saved and they want to get born again, you know, so we can help them? Just, just look around. Just look around you. 
And there's not a single person who needs that, right? Uh, anybody who needs healing, if you need healing, we're going to take care of you before we leave this place. Just take uh, look around. We, we want to see if any, put your hand up if you need that. If you need healing, just look around. Uh, I don't see a single Now watch this. Anybody who needs some extra cash in their lives, they just say, man, I, you know, I could, do, I could do more for my vision, for the things that God has put in my heart. Anybody like that? Now look around. Keep your hands up now. Just look around and see. Almost everybody. So that answers the question, why should we talk about finances in the church? Because everybody needs to get some so that they can fulfill their God-given purpose. Can I get an amen? And not only that, we know as well that God wants us to prosper in the earth because Jesus asked us to pray this way. He said when we pray, we should say, Our Father, who art in heaven, your will be done. Um, uh, uh, hallowed be your name, your will be done on earth as it is in and we're saying what's heaven like if we're going to pray let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is heaven like and you know most of you gave me words last week, you said heaven is beautiful heaven is, you know when you think heaven, you think beauty, you think abundance, you don't think sickness you think, you think abundance you think a plush, an extravagance uh, of wealth and so Jesus is saying pray that that which you describe as heaven may be made manifest in your life here, right here on the earth. Amen? He wants you to experience that right here on the earth. So it is God's will for us to prosper. But if we're going to prosper, uh, we have to do it God's way. We also say this. This is very important to repeat. That there are three ways to live life. Any kind of life. There are three ways to live life. You can do it, number one, God's way. Which comes highly recommended. Man, when you do it God's way, you get the God kind of results. Amen? Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God uh, and His righteousness, His way of doing things, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? So we need to seek to live life God's way. Jeremiah 10.23 says, It is not in man that walk to direct his own steps. So if we're going to you know, live our lives the way God has uh, created for us to experience this thing called life to the fullest, it has to be according to his design. The steps of a good man, what happens to them? They are ordered off of the Lord. Man, God wants to be your GPS system to that place of abundance. So the first way to live life, highly recommended, is God's way. The second way is our way. I did it my way. And when you do it your way, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. And so sometimes what looks right to man and a man's philosophies and man's uh, ways of, you know, uh, doing this thing, you know, what looks right may actually lead to death. And the last and the final one, which we do not recommend, is doing it the world's way. You know, Romans 8, 6 says to be carnally minded is death. Amen? So we must live life God's way. So if we're going to manifest this abundance, this prosperity God's way, how are we going to do it? We discovered three principles. Someone say three. Three principles to manifesting uh, this, this uh, a prosperous life. The first one was you have to realize that you are blessed. You are the blessed of the Lord. Amen? The blessing of the Lord is already on you because of what Jesus did for you and I at the cross and beyond. Amen? So he put his blessing on you. Someone shout, I'm blessed. I'm so, so, so I want you to shout it with a swag, this one. Someone shout, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. with heaven's best. With heaven's best. And that should be your attitude. I'm blessed with heaven's best. Amen? That's the blessing of God. It's on you. You're not cursed. Amen. You are blessed. 
He redeemed you, bought you back. Galatians 3.13. He, he redeemed you. He bought you back from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us when he was on the cross, so that uh, we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Amen? So all of us are the blessed of the Lord. And uh, we say it when you realize that, that's the foundation of producing and manifesting this prosperity in your life. Two kinds of people. The one is blessed and believe it. The other one is blessed, but don't believe it. Someone shout, I believe this. Man, if you're blessed and believe it, you can manifest it. The second principle was, for you to manifest this, you need to have a generous soul. Remember what it says over there in uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, there is he who scatters and yet increases. And then there is he who withholds more than his meat. And it leads to poverty. So two kinds of people here. The other one is extravagant in their giving. They scatter. They give to everything. That's the word picture. And the other one withholds more than his meat. And because they walk around with a closed fist, they can't receive. How many of you know that you can't receive with a closed fist? Someone tries to give you some money if you do this. You won't be able to receive. And then he makes this conclusion in verse 25. Watch what he says. The liberal soul shall be made what? Fat. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. Now, we don't talk like this. You know, we don't say fat, liberal soul, fat. People get freaked out. He's not talking about calories, so we're going to read it in English. Find out exactly what he's saying. Can I have it in the New Living Translation, please? What does it say? All of that fat, whatever, it can be summed up in this. The generous will prosper. And he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. So that's the Bible law. That's the principle is that generosity uh, uh, brings increase. Can I get an amen? And so today we're talking about what I like to call the attitude of giving. You know, giving has to be done with a certain kind of attitude if God is going to receive it. Uh, you know, if you read in Psalm 50, uh, I think uh, verse 12, somewhere there, God started to rebuke the children of Israel. I mean, they were bringing sacrifices to him, and God said in verse 10, I think, he says, it's not the sacrifices that I'm, you know, uh, rebuking you for, because, I mean, you people are bringing stuff to me all the time. He says that the problem in verse 11, he says the problem is the way you're doing it. The attitude is terrible. It's a stinking attitude. And God made this conclusion in verse 12. He said, you need to realize this, that if I was hungry, I, I wouldn't ask you. So when you give some to me, you better bring it dancing. And so there's an attitude that God demands if we're going to give something to him and see it produce a harvest. And it's an attitude of gratitude. It's an attitude of humility. He says if you give your body to be burnt and don't do it motivated by compassion, by love, and, and by your service towards God, he says it will profit you nothing. So we need to learn about the attitude of giving. Second Corinthians chapter number 9 says God is not willing to do without a happy, hilarious giver. In other words, when you bring your offering, you need to do it dancing. You need to do it with a smile on your face. Offering time, yes! Not offering time, here we go again. Listen, if you are, here we go again. Let me help you with some. If you're offering time, here we go again. Don't give. Yeah. Keep it. Because if you do give, it's like flushing it down the drain. You're not going to get any benefit out of it. But if you, if you learn how to dance in your giving, 
there's a harvest attached to it. Can I get an amen? amen. So First Chronicles, let's read First Chronicles 29. Uh, this is, you know, David, he made a call to the nation of Israel, um, you know, for the building of the temple, and he made a call to the people, and we can learn a lot about giving from these guys. You know, they gave with such a happy, hilarious, uh, humble heart. Uh, I'm reading First Chronicles 29, 3 to 8 in the Message Bible. He says, when David made a call, right? He says, furthermore, because of my heart, my heart is in this. It always starts with the heart. Amen? It always starts with the heart. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So David knew that, you know, his heart to be in this, he, he, he has to prove it uh, through his, his giving. Listen to what he says. He says, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond what I've gathered, I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God. And he begins to spell out his offering. It's an extravagant offering. He says, I'm going to give 3,000 talents. I told you what a talent is last week, and we were all praying for just half a talent, right? And this dude, listen to what he says. He says, 3,000 talents, which is about 113. Can you see it? It's over here. I'm over here reading over here. He gave 3,000 talents, about 113 tons of gold. We did the math in the first service. They said it's about four uh, 18-wheeler trucks loaded to the brim, bringing gold. Uh, and he said, uh, I'm going to bring 7,000 talents, 214 tons. We did the math. It's about eight. So four plus eight, that's about 12 of them on the freeway, N1, going to church to bring the offering. He's not playing with y'all. 214 tons of silver for covering the walls of the building and for the gold and the silver work for the craftsmen and artisans. And now he makes the challenge. He says, how about you to the people? Who among you, watch this now, here's the attitude of giving. This is the attitude we should all have. He says, who among you is what? Ready. That's the first thing. When it comes to offerings, man, you, you, we, should, we should be ready to do it. Come with an attitude of readiness. We're not looking for a persuasion because we realize that this is sowing seed. What we give does not live our lives. It enters our future. Did you hear that? What you give does not live your life. It enters into your future. And so we need to approach this with the attitude of a farmer. You know, my, my parents are, are what I like to call wannabe farmers. They, 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 they retired from work, you know. Uh, eight to five, and so they, they live, uh, you know, in the village, and they, they run a farming, you know, project, and, and, and I support them, you know. I, 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 the reason I support them, it's, it, to me, when I do the math, it's a loss-making project. To them, it's profit because they don't count the costs. <laughs> they just count the profit. They never mention anything about the cost because I get to, you know, buy the fertilizer, the seed. I get to, you know, buy all of it. And the reason I do it is because, you know, I really want to keep them young and keep them in the game to, to live longer. So only way, really, because when you retire, you expire. So you've got to keep it. You never plan to retire. Sit at the veranda and do what? Just see the sunset and see the sunrise. 
Like, I need to do something. So I, you know, I support them, and they do that. Something interesting caught my attention with both of them is that around about October, when, when, when it's uh, sowing time, it's sowing time, their attitude is not, oh, man, it's sowing time again. Their attitude is, man, I can't wait to put this seed in the ground. If it just drizzles, forget the rain, real pour, outpour. No, if it just drizzles, the next day they are on the field making sure that they put the seed in the ground. Their attitude is an attitude of readiness to put that seed. Now, if you're going to get a benefit out of your offering, you need to do it with an attitude of readiness. We're coming into a season where you you shouldn't need a sermon and a prophetic word and anointing oil and a wristband for you to just give 20 rand. And a fancy name to a, to a, to a fundraising. No, I don't do those. We, we don't do those. I told the people, you know, when we planted the church, people had great ideas. I said, man, you know, pastor, we should do a car wash, raise money for this. I said, no, God, 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 God is not into any of that. God will finance his vision. If it's really God's vision, he will bring his provision. Amen. Amen. And it does it through the people who have watched this, a readiness to do it. It says it ministers seed to the who? To the sower. You become a sower, God will give you seed so that you can give it. And so these people, he said, number one, you need to do it with a readiness of heart. Who among you is ready? Number two, and willing. So not only should we be ready, we should also do it willingly he says if you're ready and willing join in the giving and then watch what he says in verse uh, uh, six ready and willing the heads of the families leaders of the tribes of israel commanders captains in the army uh stewards of the king's affairs stepped forward and gave how willingly they gave five thousand talents 188 tons you can add to those 12, uh, 18 wheelers, you can add another uh, uh, 188 divided by 30, 30 you said 30, 30 right? Uh, 18 divided by 3, that's 6, right? You can add another 6. Now we have how many trucks going? Going to church, trucks carrying gold. He says 10,000 uh, darics, 185 pounds of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18 talents, 1,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron, Man, I mean, it's awesome what they're bringing for the offering. It's not the stuff they didn't want. People call me all the time. Pastor, we have some things we don't want. Can we bring them over to the church? I say, no, we don't want. Hey, if you don't want it, we don't want it too. <laughs> you don't bring to the Lord what you don't want. No, I, I don't, we don't want it. I'm, David said, I'm not going to bring to God what hasn't cost me something. Can I get an amen? He says, uh, uh, 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious jewels, jewels, someone say jewels. He said, second-hand clothes. Anyone who had precious jewels, put them in the treasury for the building of the temple of God in the custody of Jehiel, the Geshonite. And the people, now watch this. After they did this, they didn't go home complaining. And the people were full of a sense of celebration. All that giving. All and all given how? Willingly. And how else? Freely. And King David was exuberant. Now watch what he said. Uh, verse 16. Here's another thing we need to learn about the attitude of giving. So two things we've learned. The first one is with a readiness to give. The second one is with a willingness to do it. And the third one is this. Verse 16. 
I'm reading in the New King James Bible now. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, O God, and of your own have we given you. So if you're going to be successful as a giver, you need to realize that what you're giving already belongs to him anyway. So it's, it's no big deal. Amen. Man, if, in fact, when you realize you're just a steward over God's resources, giving won't be a problem for you. Yeah, and there's some people, God can't put in a word when it comes to their uh, finances. God can't, they're, they're, no, they've compartmentalized their lives. God can definitely tell them about their future husband. Hallelujah, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> I received that. But the Lord can't put in a word about their finances. Go say, do this with 10 rand. They say, no, I, I didn't hear that. Amen? It's because they don't realize, hey, I'm just, someone shout, I'm just a steward over God's resources. That's what he says. He says, all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. You want to be a good giver, a generous giver, realize this, that everything belongs to God. You are just giving him what already belongs to him anyway. When there is no attachment to things, you are free to give. In fact, if you try this, we may try this next Sunday. No, we're not going to try this. <laughs> you should try giving from your neighbor's wallet. We should do this one of these Sundays. Swap wallets. People just swap wallets. And say, now give from your neighbor's wallet. You know what will happen? Stingy people will all of a sudden, hey, I'm a giver, pastor. Uh, today, I'm pledging. They'll be holding your wallet. I'm pledging 1,000. The reason why they can be so extravagant is because they know it doesn't belong to, to them. So all of a sudden, they become extravagant. Because in their mind is, hey, it's no big deal. When you start to realize that everything you have belongs to God, it's not going to be any big God should be able to speak to you about your favorite shoes. Oh, just one amen over here. Just, just one over here. He should be able to speak to you about your favorite car. Another one, amen. <laughs> Another one, amen. Over. Now, this is a big one. He should be able to say something about your favorite house. <laughs> Man, if God can't put in a word, we're in trouble. Amen. I said amen. We need to be so open, and the way we do that is to realize of his own, are we giving back to him? First Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 from verse 17 to 18. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. The reason why he says we shouldn't trust in riches is because, you know, um, money, currency is in flux. It's, it's, it's not constant. It changes. Amen. One day it's up, one day it's down. The stock market, it changes. One day it's up, one day it's down. In fact, what they do uh, uh, with, with, with riches, you know, I've, I've noticed this, is that they, they will give you a 10% increase, salary increase, and they will put a 15%, you know, inflation. And so you think you're getting ahead, but really you're 5% behind. It's called the treadmill. Put you on a treadmill. You feel like you're running. You're going somewhere. That's the world system. It's created to make you feel like you're doing something. You're running hard. You're sweating. You check your uh, geolocation. You're still on the same spot. But it says six kilometers. 
How do you break out of that and start functioning at a high level? You do it God's way. You step into another economy called the kingdom of God. And Ashley has a good chapter about that in this book. When you start functioning in the kingdom of God, everything may look like it's in reverse. Because it's different from what we are accustomed to in the, in the world system. And so the challenge we have sometimes is because people get translated from the kingdom of darkness, right, into the kingdom of his dear son. It's a new kingdom, and uh, it operates by different rules and regulations and principles. And um, uh, people don't realize that, that this is, a, you know, it's like if an American comes to the kingdom of South Africa and, and they insist on driving on the right end of the, of, of the road, they may have success a few times, but we all know what's waiting to happen. It's called an accident. They're going to be in trouble soon. They may be able to get away with it, get to run back and say, oh, yeah, look, it works. Do it a few more times, you're going to be in trouble. Amen? And so when we come into the kingdom of God, there are new principles that operate in the kingdom. And when we start to uh, be submitted to those by, number one, not being high-minded, nor trusting in uncertain riches. Riches will let you down. Currency, it changes. They can dev devalue that sucker overnight and you won't be able to. We've seen it in Germany. We've seen it in uh, 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 Paraguay. We've seen it in Bol Bolivia. We saw it in, in Zimbabwe. We saw it in North Korea. Well, you know, you have a, a figure that says 10 million rand in your account and overnight they devalue that sucker. You can't buy bread with it the next day. Put your trust in riches. That's the dumbest thing you can ever do. He says, don't put your trust in riches, but in the living God, who is our source, who gives us richly all things to him. Someone shout, God is my source. Amen. Amen. And this is the reason, so that they may do good and uh, be rich in good works. This is the purpose of finances. It is so that we can do good and be rich in good works. The purpose of finances is not consumption. Because there is a limit to consumption. Think about it. How many cars can you drive at a time? How many bedrooms can you sleep at a time? If consumption is your goal, you're going to run out very fast. You're going to realize you don't need any more resources very fast. Because, listen, just obtaining a standard of living, we call it being stable financially. If that's your goal, that's a very low goal. It's a very, it's a small goal. Because... All you need to do is to move to a Scandinavian country. All you need is to lend. In Sweden, you'll have financial stability. I mean, your goal has to be more than that. Can I get an amen? amen. Your goal has to be impact. Someone say impact. Amen. Your goal has to be the preaching of the gospel. Amen. amen. To reach the nations, the dying world out there. It needs us to be able to finance the preaching of the gospel so that we can reach all the four corners of the world. That's the goal. So that we may be rich in good works. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. And so now we're going to go into, you know, something sticky. We're going to go into something sticky. And as we, as we wrap it up, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, man, my time, only at 15 minutes? Okay, we're going to wrap it up real fast. We're going to have to speed read through this. But, but the question Christians always ask everywhere I go. You know, I teach like this, and at the end of the service, you know, brothers will come to me, you know, uh, uh, erodilally, scholarly, you know, they come to me and they say, you know, a brother, so as New Testament uh, believers, uh, must we tithe? 
That's the question. It's the question. Anybody want to know the answer? But before I give you the answer, if New Testament uh, believers must tithe, you know, yesterday my wife and I, you know, we went out for breakfast. No, we actually had breakfast on our, at our house at home. And, and we were, you know, we started talking about giving and, and, and what we've given. And I was asking her because she gets to handle all our giving, you know, from our giving uh, a strategy and our giving account and so on and so forth. And I found out this, that from our own personal, someone said personal, I'm not talking about the church. The church does its own giving, you know, Dillian gets to handle that. Personal giving, for one thing, for the purposes of the preaching of the gospel, we found out we gave 40, way over 40,000 in March. And then in April, we also gave way over 40,000. And with that in mind, now I'm going to attempt to answer the question, must Christians tithe? Now you know who you're hearing from. Amen? Amen. I want you to get nervous now. When it comes to giving, hear from a generous person. Don't let nobody who's who's not generous teach you about giving. (laughs) What are they teaching from? We had this one guy, and I, I always have people trying to pick a debate with me about this, about giving, about tithing, and all these different things. Always trying to pick a debate. So we went preaching, Pastor H and I, we went preaching somewhere. You know, I won't tell you where. You try to figure out who it was. <laughs> we went preaching somewhere, and we got there, and the man, man, he was strong about not giving. That's what his, that was his conviction. Strong about not giving. We shouldn't give. And so on and so forth. He didn't say it in those words, but he was just strong about that. And I was just, you know, surprised. And, 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 and I said, man, this is interesting. It's the first one I've ever heard, you know, talk like this around this subject. And then at the last day of the conference, two days conference, last day of the conference, they asked us to pair up and pray. You know, so we paired up and prayed, and Pastor H got to pray with his wife. Get what, guess what the number one prayer request was to Pastor H? Please pray for financial breakthrough. I said, bro. <laughs> I said, what's wrong with you? You're the one preaching that the, now your wife's number one request is financial breakthrough. The second one was pray for a home because we're about to be kicked out. Third one was, pray for my marriage. I need healing in my marriage. Bro, I, to- I said, Pastor H, to- she needs to stop listening to the preacher she's been listening to. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Man, people get hung up on dumb. Just do what the word says and you will get some results. I call them thick, I call them thick heads, no fruit crew. That's what I call them. They're always trying to pick a debate with me on Facebook. They're thick heads and and no fruit crew. Trying to pick a debate. Some of them say, man, I'll take you out for coffee so we can discuss this. They say, I ain't got time for that. In fact, we've discussed it. I've discussed it with my personal mentor, Billy Everhart, around this tithing thing. He was preaching in the Netherlands, and someone, you know, asked a question. And Billy answered it this way. He said, Tavara, I answered it this way because of the tone in which it was asked. He, he, when he was answering, he said the first thing. He said, just to let you know, I give 20% of my tithe. is 20%. And then he went on to answer the question. Because really, if you're going to teach about grace, you better live right. I don't be trying to teach about grace when you, you know you ain't living right morally. Because yeah. it's going to conflict with the message of grace that God is trying to get to you. You dilute the thing that God is trying to preach to the nations. He says in 1 Timothy 4.12, and if you want to be mentored by world-class mentorship, is found in the first chapter, the first letter, and the second letter of the book of Timothy. Paul himself was mentoring Timothy 
personally. And this is what he said in chapter number 4, verse 12. He said, do not let anyone despise you because of your youth. But do this, be an example. Someone shout, be an example. He said, be an example in what? He said, be an example in speech, which means your words. He said, be an example in conduct, which means your action. He said, be an example in love. He said, be an example in faith. And he kept it off with this. Be an example in purity. Did you see that? Is it up there? Yeah, there they are. He said, be an example. You know why? Because the only way to preach the message of God is to preach from a place of experience. We don't get to instruct people into discipleship. We get to be an example ourselves so that they can see what it looks like and then they want to experience it for themselves. Way back in 2014 when we planted Faith Hill Church, God and I had a deal. I said, Lord, I'm going to preach anything you ask me to preach. But Lord, my prayer is, please allow me to experience it before I share it with the people. You know why? Because if I experience it and I come share with you, I'm going to do it with boldness. Man, I can't be here trying to talk about giving and I'm the worst stingy, uh, you know, person in the neighborhood. Amen? That bird won't fly. It's not going to fly. Amen? I said amen. So the only way we're going to change people's lives is to... We have to preach a message. A message comes from the overflow of who you are. It has to come from the overflow of what you have experienced, who you are, what you live. I mean, a sermon. Anybody and their mama can preach a sermon. Introduction, body, conclusion. Anybody can do that. But it's going to take experience to teach a message. And I'm telling you, this is a message for this generation for the end times. God is transferring wealth into the body, but we have to be ready to handle that kind of wealth with this kind of attitude and responsibility. Can I get an amen? So, so money is not just for spending. The, the number one priority we should have in our lives when it comes to giving should be our giving. Should be, when it comes to finances, it should be our giving. Man, We should be able to give. I was sharing in the second service. True story. What happened was my wife and I, we are so focused on this, trying to give, not just in our personal lives, even as a ministry, as Faith Hill Church, man, we give thousands of, of thousands of rand. We run several scholarships uh, 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 with Caris Bible College. We pay for people's school fees anonymously. We do that all the time, and we, we, we're pushing out a resource. That's why we are so blessed. It's not my fault. It's just a side effect of being a giver. Don't get mad at me. People get mad at me all the time. Why, why are they going to put you here? Why they invite you? In fact, one lady came to me and she registered a, a disgust for, because they picked me. I said, why you? You know, you ain't got nothing. I said, you're right. I ain't got nothing. But you position your heart this way, God will bring it to you. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we're going to answer the question. What was the question? Let's go to Genesis 14. Man, I want to help you with this. This is going to bless you. Genesis 14. Uh, we're talking about must Christians tithe? 
Thank you, Jesus. And so this is the story of Abraham and Lot. You remember the story? The blessing was on Abraham. Uh, God came to Abraham, said, man, go to a place that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to be a blessing to you in this place, and so on and so forth. And uh, Lord, uh, Abraham decided to take a uh, Lot with him, and so they went there because the blessing of the Lord was upon them. They started to prosper. I mean, they started to do well. When the blessing is on you, you can't help it, but just prosper. They started to do well, and as they were doing well, they, there was strife between uh, Lot's uh, uh, servants and Abraham's servants. And so Abraham decided, you know what, I'm not into strife, so I'm going to allow Lot to, you know, uh, pick first which direction he wants to go, and I'm going to pick last, you know, because after all, it's the blessing. It's not the natural uh, environment that's making me to prosper. So Abraham had no pressure. When you understand the blessing, it takes the pressure off. Amen? amen. I said amen. Amen. <laughs> And, and this is what happened, is that Lot then pointed into a direction which looked plush to these natural eyes. It looked green. It looked like that was the place of prosperity. And when he went there, he went and submitted himself to the king of Sodom, which I call the world system. So we talked about the three ways to live life, right? God's way, our way, and the world's way. He went and submitted himself to the king of Sodom. The economy was doing well, robust economy. Submitted himself to the world system and put his trust in that, and this is what happened. Verse 8. They went out the king of Sodom. Someone say one. The king of Gomorrah. Someone say two. The king of Adma. Someone say three. The king of Zeboim. Someone say four. And the king of Bela. Someone say five. So these were the five nations that were in, in Lord's corner. And they went against they joined in battle with them in the valley of Sidim with the king of uh, Chadalamia, the king of Elam. Someone say one. one. Tidal, the king of the nations. Someone say two. two. Amraphel, the king of Shina. Someone say three. three. And Arioch, the king of Elasa. Someone say four. And then the Bible says this. This battle was four kings against five. And Lot happened to be on the majority side. But just because you're on the majority side, naturally, doesn't guarantee you anything. Amen. Just because you're on the economy that's great, just in the natural, doesn't guarantee you anything. Why? Because watch what happened. And the valley of Sidon was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Wait a minute, why are you running? You're the one that have more people. Just more people without God is no guarantee of a victory. Y'all seeing that? I mean, five against four. If you watch any kind of football, you know this. When the other team gets a red card, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose. Now, the team with the red card seems to be winning. It's in reverse. Why? Because when you take God out of the equation, uh, the battle is up for, you know, anyone's guess, really. It's tails or heads. And some people in the church have been living their lives without a certain guaranteed victory because they have excluded God. In this one area, they have excluded God in their finances. So it's a gamble. This month you may make it. Next month you may win. But the following month, four against five, you're supposed to win. But they fled. 
Verse 11, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, including Lot's goods, and their victuals, and went their way. They took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, his nephew, right, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, uh, brother of Eskor and brother of Anna, and these were the confederate with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother had been taken captive, his armed, his trained servants born in his own house, 318 against a minimum of 6,000. I did the math. When it's four nations, each nation bringing at least 1.5, we're looking at a minimum of 6,000 people. Abraham just took 318. Because, hey, you can even take 10. If God is in your corner, you are a majority. Who was he? Gideon? You remember the story of Gideon? Gideon was going against 135,000 and he went before the Lord with 32,000. And what did God say? Too many. And Gideon was given the charge to go and announce to the nation, if anyone is scared, go home. So Gideon went and said, anybody scared, go home. 22,000 left. Gideon was left with 10,000. Now you thought you were outnumbered at 32. Now you are triple outnumbered. But God was working on something. God can't work with fearful people. He said, send them home. And if you're just looking in the natural, hey, if you're scared, go home. And people start packing their bags. Oh, please, I was just joking. I was just joking. Come back. <laughs> no, not Gideon. He said, peace out. And then he went with 10,000 before the Lord. And the Lord, you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, still way too many. And he says, take them to the, to the, to the drinking hall and, and watch how they drink. What's up with that? He said, I'm taking people, we have the ability, watch this now, to drink and not be consumed in what they're drinking. In other words, they are doing what's a need, what's necessary, but they don't consumed by it. They can drink with their eyes still on the kingdom. In other words, you know, hey, I'm supposed to go into the marketplace and make money and be in the, but it's not going to consume me. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do what's necessary and be drawn in it. I'm going to do what's necessary, but still my eyes are going to be on the kingdom of God. And God said, those are the people I can work with. Sent 9,700 home, and he was left with 300. And God said, now we are a majority. Went with 300 and whipped them, boys, 135, whipped them out of their clothes. They whipped them so bad and won that victory. Because it's not in the natural numbers. Can I get an amen? It's in positioning our hearts this way and be aligned to think kingdom. And when you do, you are on your way to victory. And so 318 went, where am I? What verse is that? 14, 15, he divided himself against them and was taken captive. He armed his trained servants, uh, born in his own house. 318, 15, he divided against them in his servants, night and smote them, pursued them unto Hobah, which is the left end of Damascus, and he brought back all, someone say all, with 318, something that couldn't be done with thousands. Over 10,000 couldn't do it. He went with 318. He trained in his own backyard. They were not even real soldiers. It's just backyard soldiers. They probably trained with paint guns, you know. And uh, when he came back, verse 16, when he came back, 
uh, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of uh, Chadolamia and of the kings that were with him at, at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. So I want you to see something in verse 17 and 18 is that there are two kings that came to meet him when he was coming back from uh, battle. Uh, the other one, king of, uh, where am I, verse 16 and 17, the other one was the king of Sodom, verse 17, right? Yeah. Do you see that? And the other one was the king of Salem, king of Jerusalem, king of peace, king of prosperity. That's what that Salem means, right? The other one was the king of prosperity. Two of them came to meet him. The other one representing the kingdom of God, the other one representing the world system. And this is what transpired. Verse 19, when the king of Salem came, what's the first thing he did? He blessed him. He blessed him up front, blessed him. And said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High, possessor of the heavens and the earth, and blessed be the Most High, which has delivered thy enemies into thy hands, and he gave him a tithe of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons. Now look at verse, uh, uh, look at verse 19. When Melchizedek, king, king of Salem, presented himself before Abraham, what was his two first words? He blessed him. Blessing, right? Or blessed be. What was the first two words of the king of Sodom? That's the difference between the kingdom system and the world system. The kingdom system is pushing out. The world system is a gimme. And they're trying to take, they're trying to take from every. They're going to suck you dry. They can, listen, if you let them, they'll introduce taxes that have never been heard before. We're going to text you on oxygen. <laughs> no, 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 I'm telling you. They want to introduce. Have you ever looked at your, if you're at, your, at your ticket, your flying ticket? If really you were paying for the, for the ticket to fly, all of us can afford business class. Yeah. The majority of that ticket ain't got nothing to do with flying. Yeah. <laughs> it's just takes taxes. It'll text you for texting. You know, when a plane is taxi, they'll text you for taxi. Text you for being in there. They'll text you for everything. And half the, half the plane ticket is taxes. Man, if you take away the taxes, I can fly business. Praise God. Amen. Yep. The world system is not trying to give to you. He's trying to take. He says, give me. Melchizedek says, blessed. Amen. And Melchizedek, when he said blessed, he mentions these three things. Man, this is good preaching. You're not going to get this at the uh, uh, 6 o'clock news. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> he said, blessed be Abraham of the Most High. Someone say Most High. That's the first thing we see there is that the first thing Abraham, Melchizedek, spells out to Abraham was God is the Most High God. In other words, if you're going to be successful in your finances, God has to be the number one priority. He has to be the highest authority even in our finances. We must run our finances God's way. Just one amen over here. And the second thing is, he says, God, who is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. That's the second thing we need to realize is that not only is God the most high, the highest authority in our finances, he also owns everything that we have. 
And the third thing he says is, God, the, the Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. In other words, Abraham, the reason why you won this battle was not because of your own ingenuity and expertise. The reason you won this battle is because God is the one that delivered your enemies into your hands. God is the one that's responsible for making you win this victory. Child of God, it's foolish to think you're doing well in the marketplace because of your own creativity and ingenuity. No, it is God who's making things happen. And to those three points that the angel spells out, King of Melchizedek, King of Salem, when he spells out those three things, Abraham took a tenth and then he put it before his feet in acknowledgement. He said, now when you take a tenth and give it to him, you're saying, I acknowledge that. What do you acknowledge? That God is the most high God in my life. That God is the one that owns everything. And God is the one that's causing me to win. Amen. And so a tithe has got nothing to do with all the religious connotation. It's just acknowledgement. Say, so, man, I acknowledge the reason I'm doing well is because of God. And, you know, Pastor C and I, we talk about this all the time. We get to pastor some of the most uh, 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 intelligent, some of the most gifted people in the universe. Man, you just look around Faith Hill Church, you talk to people, you realize this, this, this is a gifted church. Amen? Amen? I mean, they're writing uh, and uh, producing an album, world class. I mean, that, that thing, I get to hear it before everybody else, you know, praise God, because I'm the pastor. <laughs> And the reason they can do that is because it is God. Amen. Some of you can do math in your sleep. But it would be foolish now to try and act like, you know, some of us who can't do math like that, we just, we just, we just, uh, 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 we just, we just hopeless. Ah. No, 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 no. The reason you can do it that way is because God put it in your in your dna he embedded it in you before he created you Amen. and now for you to take pride as if we were in a buffet of skills in heaven and everybody was picking that what they want and i got to pick you know crazy no i had no choice in the matter are y'all hearing what i'm saying the reason you are the way you are is because God is the one who made you to be the way you are. And so when you take a portion of what you have and give it to him, you're saying, I acknowledge that. Amen. Amen. And so the king of uh, Sodom, you know, he doesn't give up quickly. So he said to Abraham, give me the persons. Take the goods for yourself. And Abraham said to him, I've already lifted up my hand. I've already committed to God's system. I've committed to the Most High, the possessor of the heavens and the earth, that I will not even take a thread, even a shoelace, that I will not take nothing from you, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. The world system. My job is not responsible for my prosperity. My giving is in the kingdom of God. Says, I'm not taking, I won't let you take God's credit. And then he says this in verse 24 except that which the young men have eaten, the portion of men which went with me, Anna, Esco, and Mamre, let them take their portion. And after these things, watch what happened in verse uh, 15, chapter 15, verse 1. Watch what happened. Someone say, after these things. Those three words are powerful. After these things. After what? After Abraham made his acknowledgement that God is the most high God, is the possessor of everything, heaven and the earth, is the one that made him, you know, succeed in this battle. It wasn't his own skills. 
After these things and this acknowledgement, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. It's called the next dimension. Man, when you uh, 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 acknowledge God and you give him all the glory, he takes you to the next dimension. You do it at that level, he takes you to a next dimension. The limit is not on God, the limit is really on us. Because people get to a level where they don't acknowledge and the, the level sometimes is just so low. Some people, all they need to stop acknowledging God is 5,000 rand. You just give them 5,000. They'll tell God, ah, yeah, you know, I'll see you next. I'll see you when I see you, Lord. I'll see. And for some, the threshold is 5 million. For some, the hunter never say, what's your threshold? Man, the, the key of giving is to increase your threshold. That's what giving does. Giving keeps increasing your threshold. Givers can handle billions without any problem. I mean, they, listen, this threshold thing is for real. Some of you, your marriage is bliss, made in heaven right now. But the threshold is 10 million rand for, the, for that bliss. Some of you are nice people. You talk to everybody, you hug, give hugs. When you go to a restaurant, you're respectful. You're nice people. But the threshold for that is 250,000 rand. It hits your account. All of a sudden, we, you, you won't greet us. Man, the next level comes when we increase our capacity. Now, the question is, does that answer whether we should tithe or not? No, it doesn't. Actually, uh, the, 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 the answer to that question is, you don't have to do anything. Just like you don't have to brush your teeth. You know, you don't have to. Think about it. You don't have to. You don't have to get a new hairdo. You don't have to get a haircut. But if you find benefit in it, Go ahead and do it. Amen. Amen. Now let's end with this. John 1.17. Is this helping you? Man, I like dethroning mammon. It's part of the reason why God put me on television free of charge. It's because I'm bold. I can, I, when the Lord tells me to share something, I'll share it. And people get mad all the time. Man, I like, you talk like that. And um, man, God is the one that pays me. Amen. I mean, I'd rather be fired by men than be fired by the big boss. Yeah. John 1.17. It says, for the law was given by who? The law was given by who? But grace and truth came by who? Okay, let me ask this question. Who came with the law? And so who came with grace? So Jesus becomes the, the, the one that introduced grace into the world, right? And we see it in his ministry, in action. Jesus was the epitome of grace. The one time they brought this girl who had uh, committed adultery. Funny enough, they, 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 brought, they brought her, but you don't adulterate alone. Have you thought about it? Where was the dude? But that's what religion does. Where, where is the dude? I said, we caught her, but she wasn't, you know, adulterating. Is that a word? You don't adulterate yourself. No, you don't. There was someone there. Where, where is the dude? And so they bring this girl to Jesus, and, and they bring him to Jesus, and, and Jesus looks at them. They said, what should, what, what, what should we do with her? And so Jesus kneels down, and he starts writing. You know, no one knows what he wrote. I think 
He started writing people's names and their little girlfriends. <laughs> you know, Pharisee Sam, Dash Susie, Pharisee Jacobos, Dash Mildred. No, that's what happened. Because the Bible says they started living one after the other. You just look at the, oh yeah. Now notice, Jesus was treating the self-righteous unkindly. Do you see that? But he was treating the sinful one with kindness and mercy. That's what the church should do. Amen? And so, you know, he wrote their names, they left, and he says, where is your accusers? She said, I don't see them. She says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way, sin no more. They hugged, made up, praise the Lord. The one time he met this girl, John 4, she had five husbands. Someone said five. five. She had five. 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 This is scandalous. Five. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, I'm the one that's going to give you water out of you. Out of, uh, she's got five, Jesus. He says, out of you will rivers flow. Welling up to, because there's time coming where God is looking for uh, uh, worshippers, true worshippers, that will worship him in spirit and such is the time. And it rocked the world. Why? Because Jesus came with what? Grace and truth. Moses came with the law. Jesus came. Now, we're going to read Matthew 23, verse 23. And this is the last one I'm going to read. And we'll be out of here. Matthew 23, 23 in the New Living Translation. Now, I want you to realize you are listening to grace speak. This is Jesus speaking in the New Living Translation. Watch what he says. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites? For you are careful to do what? I didn't hear that. Man, it's not a curse word. Come on, say it. It's not, it really is not a curse word. He says, you religious hypocrites, you're careful to do what? To tithe even the tiniest of income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law. In other words, this shouldn't even be an important issue. It should be a no-brainer. The more important things are what? Justice, mercy, and faith. And then what, watch what grace says. Watch what grace says. What did he say? You should tithe. What's the next word? That's grace speaking. Did you read that? That's grace speaking. You should tithe. What did he say? Yes. He said you should tithe. Yes. But do not. Moving right along. It shouldn't be that important. You should tithe. Yes. Go ahead and do that. But our focus should be on more important things. Man, if you're getting stuck on this, this little non-important issue, it's, it's, it boxes you. You, go, you hear that word, you think it's a curse word. You go in the ring with it, it's knocking you out. Man, if, if, if that's you, man, you're in trouble. Yeah. Mama has is, is, is gotten a hold of you. And it, it will cause all kinds of problems in your life. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. When, we, when we give to God, we must do it with readiness, with a willingness of heart. It shouldn't be a no-brainer. It should be a no-issue. Hey, we're giving back what the Lord has given us. When we tithe, it's not that important, Lord. I'm just, I'm just giving back and acknowledging that you are the most high God. You are the, and, and people get at me all the time. 
I know someone is going to ask for, for, for a biblical uh, uh, debate on this. I know on Facebook, on, someone is going to say, but pastor, I would like to meet with you so that we can discuss this, this matter further so I can show you uh, uh, biblically that it's new covenant uh, Christians. Will. And I ain't got time for them. Really, I don't. <clears throat> Not in a mean way, but you can't change my, my conviction. It doesn't matter what we can meet, but my conviction is I love to do that. And in fact, we do it way above 10. We do it 17, 18, when you calculate 20 sometimes. We just love to do that Amen. personally. And as a church, we get to do that as well. Why? Because, hey, this, we just love to acknowledge God. In fact, we made a decision. This gentleman here, Ashley Terry, is one of my very close friends. We discussed these things, and we were talking. And he said this to me. He said, Tafara... Uh, if someone really wants to uh, uh, take you on on this issue, don't get into it. Just ask this question. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? And if they say, man, I'm blessed, it's, it's, then keep doing that. Because it's working for me this way. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. with heaven's best. Someone shout, money, money is, attracted is attracted to me. me. Not, for Not for consumption, but so that, so that I, can I can be a blessing to others. To others. Amen. amen. I said, amen. amen. This should be our mindset. You know, if we're going to win in this realm. And that's, that's you know, I'm your pastor. And, 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 and I can share this. This is how... You know, my wife and I uh, live our lives. Our focus is not on, you know, just trying to get the new toy, the latest, you know, toy in town. Uh, Pastor H was saying now they're on iPhone, uh, what did he say, 16, 20? Is they on iPhone 20? And, 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 uh, and you know, people, people who still have an iPhone, uh, or whatever, 10, 11, 12, that still works. But because we've been conditioned by the world that we are missing something when we don't keep to date with these material things, they will call you and say, your, your contract has expired. You are due for an upgrade. If you don't get this upgrade this month, you are missing out. And all of us, including the world, will go and queue up for more bondage, for more debt, and, and they'll put us in more bondage, more debt, because we've been conditioned to think that material things are going to fill that void that only God should be the one filling up. And material things are just that, material things. I mean nothing. Pastor H and Marshall came to my house last year, uh, 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 August, and we were, you know, trying to watch something on TV. They started laughing at me. They said, Pastor, your TV is too old. I didn't even know it. <laughs> it was an LCD. Thick. They said, ah, Pastor, you know, we beg you, we beseech you by the message of God. It didn't matter to me. I mean, as long as I can see the, the, what's on it, I can see, you know, food, I'm fine. And so they, they, they used their undue influence on me. They said, if you don't, you know, change it, we're not going to come watch the game at your house. And so because of Marshall and Henry, I said to them, you do the research. And so they went and said, you know, there's this new OL, what is it? OLED, whatever. They said, this one is the one. That you should get it so i went and i got it not because i wanted it or under pressure to get it but because marshall and 
Pastor Henry, it was their fault. But the reason I say that is because the world will trap you in materialism. And if you go into that cycle, man, there's always something new that you don't have. Always, there's always something new that you... I mean, just a year ago, we were all wearing tight jeans. They switched on us. Halfway through the game, they switched on us. They said, no, 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 not anymore. You know why they switched on us? Because they had maxed out on tight jeans. They were not getting any more sales on that. And so they said, let's make them a little loose. And now they've moved us in the middle of the ground. They've taken all, all, us all the way back to the 90s. So that the consumers can keep buying. So it's a rat race that they're trying to put us in. But when it comes to finances, the number one priority should be the preaching of the gospel. There's a dying world out there. There are people in Pakistan that we should be reaching. There are people in Singapore that we should be reaching. People in, in the United States of America. Them crazies in New York. We should be sending African prayer warriors who know how to pray and bring heaven down into New York so we can fix some, them Democrats. Can I say that in a sermon? Amen. Yeah. We need to know about that. Praise God. And guess what? We, we need to be sending those missionaries from right here. Man, if God put that in your heart, then I need to go somewhere and, and, and preach the gospel and be a missionary. Man, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a drag. I know God has put some nations in, in anybody who's got a nation other than the one we live in, in their heart. What, what you got, my sister? What's the nation God has put in your heart? Uganda, Nigeria. The reason she's here is because none of us is sending her that money so she can go. Anybody else put their hands? Nations. Anybody else put their hand? Lisa, what nation is that? India. The reason she's here is because, hey, if 15 of us say, hey, 1,000 every single month, I'm committing for the next five years. Guess what? We can send it to India. It's only reason. There's only one reason why she's here, not in India where God is calling her. Because the people of God don't realize what finances they would rather use that one thousand on an iPhone. Now, I, I, I've got nothing wrong with iPhones, but I'm just saying we have to fix our thing. Anybody else who put their hand? What's that nation? Eastern K. What's that nation? Mozambique. You know what they did in, in, in England when they started that, that Anglican church? You know what they did? They said, hey, we want 15 millionaires to put down some money so we can send people to Zimbabwe. One missionary came, built schools that all the ministers went to. One! Send them with a truckload of cash. That's what finances is for. Buying a new pair of... No, 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 no. We have to fix our thinking. And start thinking different. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. When these people, when these people, God put them in there, now it's time to go. Man, we should be putting up our hands and saying, hey, I got you. Where are you going? You're going to Uganda? I got you. And I'm going to be committed every single month. We don't want to send them to Uganda. Now they have to start worrying about finances when they should be preaching the gospel. 
going to send them to India and they're going to be stuck out there because people are pulling out of their commitment. And the reason really people pull out is because they themselves ain't got none. But when we fix our hearts and we position our hearts this way, man, I'm telling you, we have a friend, uh, uh, Rachel and, uh, uh, and Willie Griffith. They've been, in, they've been in Kenya for the last, in Mombasa for the last 12 or 10 years. They've been in Kenya with a full supply. It's coming from people who know what finances are for every month without failure they send them missionaries some and i'm telling you hey you can believe it or not the the stronger missionaries they're not coming from a you want some real warfare type missionaries they're here man when we shanda my shake it we we know we know we know you know you know when we pray we pray when we bring it we bring it we, we don't do these nyama nyama prayers. Yeah, Father, Father, if you know, when we bring it, ah, oh, Shakarabu, the African warrior. And those are the missionaries that the world needs. And we should be sending them. Can I get an amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I give you all the praise and all the glory. I thank you, Father. I thank you for these, your precious children, your positioning for an end time harvest of resources. An end time harvest of finances like never before. Lord, I thank you that as it comes into their coffers, they will turn it over to the preaching of the gospel towards the nations. Thank you, Lord, that this end time harvest is ripe and ready. And we are putting our hands up today to say, use us, Lord, as your distribution centers. Someone shout, we are ready to send people to the nations. In Jesus' name. Hey, put your hand over your head and say, I'm ready to send evangelists into the nations. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we're coming into a season where we're going to be praying them off. We're going to be bringing them up here, pray them off. Bring them up here, pray them off. Bring them up, pray them off. Most of them are single, so we can really pray them all. Go find your husband in India. You go, hey. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you. That's how it works. You preach to them, convert them, clean them up, marry them. <laughs> Praise God. Man, I'm telling you, you. If you don't believe it, you hide and watch. We're going to make it happen. You don't believe it. You hide watch. Hey, if this was your first time at Faith Hill Church, we don't usually get this crazy. So please do come back next week. But we're going to ask you to grab all your belongings. Make your way to the two glass doors on your uh, right, my left. We have some lovely people that are waiting to say what's up to you. Linda, you want to wave? Linda, Linda is over there. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who